So nine it is for the Utah Jazz. What are the names? Who do we get to know? And what are the options? It's all next on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms and apps, as well as on YouTube. Subscribe, follow, hit the bell button, know what's going on. Today, we'll look into the number nine pick. Who's out there? What are the names we get to know? What are the names settling around nine? For everybody, what can the Jazz do with 9, 16, and 28 in the upcoming draft? The Spurs? Really? The Spurs? I've got a problem with it. And should the Jazz have tried to do this? Now, in retrospect, as we look back at the opening year, plus a few NBA rumors floating around and Lakers Nuggets talk. No need to do the lottery anymore. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. So we're sitting at 9, we're sitting at 16, and we're sitting at 28. We've got three picks. We've got a ton of options in this draft. Let's start with just the early mocks, what the names are, who's out there. ESPN has, with Jonathan Giovanni, has Cam Whitmore at 7, who is a Villanova product, just 18 years old, um... A lot of people had him up a little bit higher. He's kind of bouncing around a little bit right now. Number eight, Anthony Black, the point guard, shooting guard, 19 years old out of Arkansas. Questionable shooting, elite athlete, had a massive vertical jump. They have the Jazz taking 19-year-old Grady Dick out of Kansas, who, according to Locked On NBA Big Board, did not have a particularly good testing. Um, as Richard Stamen said on Lockdown NBA Big Board, we no longer will say that Grady Dix is a sneaky athlete. We'll just say he's not a good athlete. So that was uh, is not that encouraging from his, his combine work. Taylor Hendricks, who's a long, lanky athlete out of University of Central Florida, uh, as another 19-year-old. And 11 is Jordan Hawkins, the sharpshooter out of UConn. Kaysen Wallace, who's the point guard we've talked about a little bit, down at 12 according to ESPN. So ESPN, kind of if you're taking, starting at seven, um, and I think Asur Thompson, who is the second of the Thompson twins, is a little interesting in that I think there's a chance he could start to slip. Does he get to nine? I don't know. But Cam Whitmore, Villanova, Anthony Black out of Arkansas, Grady Dick out of Utah, who I've watched some of, I was not particularly overwhelmed by. Good shot. Good instincts. Didn't, not very strong. Ball ripped out of his hands all the time. Doesn't own his space. Taylor Hendricks, who I've not watched. Jordan Hawkins. Kaysen Wallace, who I did watch. Really good feel for the game. Really unselfish. Really moves the ball. Is not uh, ball addicted. Understands angles. Plays with teammates. Um, seems super smart defensively. Seems fine, though the collegiate game is really hard to tell that. Shooting seemed average, but when he went for the went to the basket, he was able to go off one foot. Really like thought that you know that's an important um, ability right there. So um, th- think Casey Wallace is the least interesting uh, to look at. Then at sixteen, and this is where it'll be really interesting to see what the Jazz do if they don't go point guard. 
you know, if they do something like Taylor Hendricks at nine, then they're probably looking point guard-ish. You don't want to... Keontae George out of Baylor's talked about 14. Jalen hood Safino is a point guard. Tony Jones talked about yesterday's show. Noah Clowney, a power forward, uh, is who they have us taking as of right now at 16. He's uh, out of Alabama. Then Jet Howard, Michigan, and Ryan Rupart. That's according to ESPN. If we go to The Athletic and Sam Vecini, um, and then we'll do our own guys here in, in a moment, but I was just taking uh, some of the bigger ones. Locked at NBA Big Board guys have... We'll have their stuff out here shortly. They are at the Combine right now. Um, theirs is, all right, so they have uh, Jerese Walker at not at seven to Indiana. They, uh, Taylor Hendricks is up as high as six, according to the Athletic. Eight, Ashur Thompson. This is kind of what I'm talking about. I think there's a chance he could slide down, and the Jazz will have to make that decision uh, possibly on him. Number nine, Anthony Black. Again, um, a lot of people... Uh, according to Sam Vecini, call him the smartest player in the draft. So there, Black is just not a good shooter, though, at 6'7", 19 years old. Uh, Dallas has a center we wouldn't in- be interested in. Grady Dick's name gets mentioned, and the 12th pick being mentioned is Leonard Miller. So there's another new name for you. He's 6'10", long athlete, 19 years old, out of G League Ignite. Super athlete at 6'10". Cason Wallace slides to 13. Kobe Bufkin at 14. So Nick Smith then 15. Then 16, you've got... Uh, Chris Murray, who's uh, Keegan Murray's brother out of Iowa. On that one, Jordan Hawkins slides all the way to 17, according to The Athletic. So this is kind of 18 Keontae George. This matches a lot to what we talked about throughout this whole time. Since the day we've done the numbers, since I've started talking about people at the draft, there just seems to be a huge fluctuation between who can go where in these, which makes 9 and 16 super interesting. Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer has Taylor Hendricks 7, Anthony Black, eight, Cason Wallace, nine. We're beginning to see the same. But he has Therese Walker, the Houston product, sliding all the way to 10. Grady Dick at 11, Leonard Miller at 12. Some of the same names. Then when you get near 16, they have Keontae George at 16. So they actually have us taking both Keontae George and Cason Wallace, according to uh, the ringer, which seems surprising. Similar players, but maybe. Jordan Hawkins down at 17. And then... um, some for uh, Bobby Clintman, a Wake Forest freshman, first time you've heard that name kind of floating around there at 18 in this draft. So the Jazz really are just touching on a ton of different players. Nick Smith Jr. is in that mix. Kobe Bufkin. I mean, the nine through 16 players, there's just a real chance you're looking at someone at nine who's going to be there at 16 is the way this seems to be playing and the way this draft looks right now. But those are the names. Like we now know the names we know we can look into. We can know we see the scouting report when locked on NBA big board does a, a show and, and interviews one of those guys. We as they did last week with case and Wallace. Um, we know that these are the guys we want to hear about. So this gives us a lot of um, a lot of, I think insight to kind of where, what we, we know we're going to have um, going for, it. I'm trying to see whether or not Raphael, I do not think Raphael's had a chance yet on his locked on NBA big board to update um, the latest mock. He has the latest. Oh, let's see. He has. He does. All right. Let's see what uh, locked. It just came down. Uh, He has. Well, actually, I'll just take you through the top because Raphael does such a great job. Uh, So this just literally just came down um, on the paid site like a few minutes ago. Uh, Victor won. Brandon Miller, two to Charlotte. Raphael was the first one to talk about this. It's going to try to be true. Scoot Henderson, three to Portland. 
Uh, interesting to see what they do there with Scoot and Shaden Sharp. Maybe it is time for them to rebuild. Number four, Amon Thompson. Number five, Cam Whitmore to Detroit. Orlando Taylor Hendricks, six. Indiana Jerese Walker, seven. Eight, Kaysen Wallace, Washington. So he has him going a little earlier. The Jazz taking Anthony Black. So that seems to be the consensus right now. Six, seven, combo playmakers, switchable defensively. Um, big vertical jump yesterday, as I mentioned. Um, not as, uh, you know, not as uh, good a shooter as maybe you would want. Also, I'll post on my Twitter some of Raphael's big boards take on him. He had Kobe Bufkin at 10, so there's a player we'll have to dig into and really look at, and Grady Dick at 11. Then if we go to get down to 16, let's see if he, he has, he has a Sewer Thompson drop. So he has Gigi Jackson at 14, a Sewer Thompson dropping all the way to 15. So I, I, I'm hearing this kind of, I think there will be a decision the Jazz, I think, will probably have a real chance of possibly one of the Thompson twins at nine. Keontae George at 16 out of Baylor. Um, as the player uh, is the point guard, he's got some some interesting things. I've watched him a little bit, was impressed. The 95 turnovers to 91 assists is not the greatest thing you've ever seen. When you're talking about a point guard, Derek Lively and, and 18, Ryan Rupert, you're talking about the European Frenchman there. So really, int- we, again, kind of where we expect, but also just great fluctuation in this realm. Um, so the question, next question is, what are the Jazz options? Like, okay, can we, ju- we can just sit at 9 and 16, but what are the other things the Jazz can do if they have someone they really want? Let's talk about that as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter. Wild world right now in the lending world, trying to get loans done. And Steve Carter is the one for you to get it done. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer over at Intercap. He does amazing work for us. The best customer service person I've ever been around. Uh, he's done the loans for our COO, Carl. He's done my two of my loans. Um, he does every single person who's ever dealt with him with lockdown. It's just been like, wow, it's incredible. So he's your own personal loan officer. He's over at intercap lending. If you're looking to get something done right now in kind of this weird world, he's got a bunch of different options for you to look at and see. And what are the things, uh, that you can get done. And so give Steve Carter a call, uh, or just email me first. If you want to at dlock nine at gmail.com. And I'll set you up with the direct meeting with Steve Carter. If you don't want to do that, I totally understand you don't want me in your business, but do make sure you mention to Steve when you call him that you're with Locked On and get the corporate discount that we have. It's 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. But I'd love to help you out at dlock09 at gmail.com. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 19465. Today's show is also brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Oh, the most comfortable shorts with the best liners. You can imagine it's Bird Dog Shorts at locked, birddog.com slash LockedOnNBA. I just got my Bird Dog, two pairs of Bird Dogs yesterday. I think I got the Oxford Shorts uh, with a built-in liner. They all have these incredible built-in liners for comfort. And then also the Khaki Shorts. The Oxfords kind of can bounce around a little bit. I think I could probably wear them to the gym. I think I could pro- wear them playing golf. Um, some great versatility in all aspects to them. Super fit, uh, stretchy fabric. The right length, they're not these super long shorts anymore. That gives, You can wear them everywhere around. I felt like they could absolutely be something I wore out to a decent kind of summer dinner. I felt like I could wear them to the golf course. I also felt like I could, if I was jumping around going to the gym, absolutely fabulous um, in all 
aspects and super comfortable and really a good subtle versatility between those two different shorts when you go to bird dog you'll see it there's the gym shorts which obviously the bathing suits and then the oxford shorts and the khaki shorts the oxford shorts were the ones that i just jumped out to me as being the ones i thought i could get kind of use in the most different fashions imaginable um Enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dog Yeti-style tumbler. It's pretty sweet. So go to birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Bird Dogs shorts, the most comfortable short you'll find with the comfort of the built-in liner. The future of comfort. Bird Dog shorts, birddog.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day today. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, we will, uh, Locked on NBA Big Board has three of the four hosts all at the Combine right now. So make sure you make that your second listen of the day. We'll start trying to break down more of the players. We've got a little grip. Starting Monday, Leaf Tulin, who is one of the Locked on NBA Big Board hosts, will be hosting the show. I'm out of town uh, next Monday through Monday. So I'll be back with you a week from Tuesday. Uh, and Leaf will get you ready for the draft now, now knowing where the Jazz are. So what are the Jazz options at nine? So, I mean, it's really interesting. The Jazz have, on this draft have a lot of impact. Nine, 16, and 28 plus, they have just a cadre of picks and opportunities and things of that nature. And so um, the first one is, you know, if the Jazz have someone they really like at six or at seven or at f- maybe even five, probably not. I think they could move 9 and 16 and get to 7. I think they could use 9 and 16 and maybe get to 6. Sometimes, it's, you know, maybe it's 9 and 28 gets you to 8 or to 7. Um, I don't quite, you know, it's not the same way with the NFL where you quite have it set what the exact value of each of these players are. But that's that's the first one. It's when the Jazz are going through the scouting, if they see some guy that they think's just, oh, we got to have Cam Whitmore. He's going to be gone by 7. Like, we looked at Cam Whitmore. I haven't seen anything where he would get to 9. So if you have someone like Cam Whitmore you really believe in and think is the real deal, you go get him. Like, that's the fact of the matter. You always go get him. It's always worth it. Um, The one thing that's interesting on the Jazz is there's not really anyone on our roster who's under contract who we can use in... We'd have to use our cap space, and that gets a little complicated. Probably starts delaying trades till after the first um, and some things like that. There's just not really a player on our roster that I think, you know... I, excluding Lowry, Walker, and Ochai. And now, obviously, if the right deal came across, every player is available. I'm just not one. I'm, I, and I find, you know, some of this conversation about Luca, like, oh, we can't give up Lowry. Like, oh, really? Um, you know, I love Lowry, but like, like, okay. Um, so, you know, I guess Colin Sexton, who has 17 on the books, 18 on the books, 19 on the books the next three years. If somebody wants Colin Sexton, that's not like they're just taking it. Otherwise, we don't really have a player unless we have picked up Kelly Olynyk's option who we can go trade for 12, 13, 14 million dollars to go get a player back. So that's one thing that's interesting here. Like, do the Jazz use 9 or 16 to go get a player that is actually currently active um, that they really like? Like, I brought up with Tony the idea of going to try to trade for Jalen Suggs. You'd have to start sliding, if I understand correctly, you have to slide into cap space because you, we don't really have a player that goes and matches salaries. We're not, we're short on, because we have so much cap space, we're short on players that can kind of do that. So that's one thing uh, I think that will be difficult. The other one is the question, like, do we really want to take all three picks? And the answer is probably no. 
I'm not as big a buyer into this whole second round pick thing. I get they're kind of like neat assets to have and opportunities to have, but they're not that valuable, truly. They're really not. They like, um, they haven't always, they, I mean, it's like it's four first round draft picks and people are just throwing five and six and seven and eight first second round draft picks on trade deadline to be able to get deals done. And maybe it's nice to have those assets, but I'm not sure that I really believe that you trade like one first for four future seconds. I don't totally see that as giving you the same value um, as you have with actually like the 28th pick of the draft. Um, and But I do think there's a reason why we may not want to have all three first round draft picks this year. So, And then trading 28, I think is going to be hard to get a lot of value for. It's just, it's a low first round pick. Are you trading 28 for a future like pick that's 20 top 25 protected or three seconds? Like it seems kind of a weird... I think that one will be just a harder one for Justin and Danny um, to get done. So I think 16 gets super interesting of whether or not when you have a lot of these same players floating around here, you're just taking two shots at it or are you trying to package nine with 16 or you're trying to use 16 to go get a player. Um, if you have a franchise that's really stuck um, because of their salary cap situations, are they is some, are the Clippers suddenly willing to work move somebody off their roster for the 16th pick of the draft so they can actually get some youth and start building something is... Portland willing to move the somebody off there for the 16th pick, and now they suddenly have Shannon Sharp and the third pick and Scoot Henderson and their 16th pick, and now they've started a complete rebuild. I, I'm not sure, um, you know, is Orlando is uh, Chicago who just lost their pick willing to move somebody for the 16th pick because they need somebody um, in there. So I think there's some options in that regard for the Jazz. I it, where they trade for a player. The th- you know, I think they can they can couple them and try to trade up a few spots if they really have someone. Someone's got to be a willing partner. That's the hard thing. I do think they could move s- like 16 for a player. Um, and that, again, depends on what you're trying to do next year a little bit of how, like, how all in are we trying to be? Where are we trying to be? Or if it's just the right player that you can go get. Um, and, you know, I've kind of used Jalen Suggs is going to be my answer. Like, it's an undervalued early pick. You might've believed in him three years ago. He hasn't worked out in Orlando. You still believe in him. And so you go get him because you believe in he's a major piece and can really materialize into something. And, um, he, he's intriguing to me, right? You, and it's not that hard. You just go through the top 10 picks of the draft. They're obviously were wildly talented. Some of them have not panned out. Like who's one that's not panned out. That's not getting time that you suddenly believe can do something. Um, you know, we don't have, again, like if you're the Warriors, you're trying to go get Jonathan Kaminga and give them a piece to go fulfill the rest of their rosters. They can make another run with it with the same group. We don't really have that guy on our roster that does that for a team like that. So I think that's a little complicated. Um, I think that's the area where we'll have a difficulty in being able to figure out our options is if we're trying to send the, the, uh, the, if we're trying to make a deal for somebody where we're giving them an asset that immediately contributes I'm not sure that that's something that they have available uh, at this time. All right. um, But we got the names of guys. We kind of have where we are. It's going to be super fun. We'll kind of start breaking down looking players on a more regular basis. Uh, It's hard. It takes a lot of time to try to get these done day to day uh, for shows, but I'll do the best I can uh, for you in that regard. All right. Let's look a little bit at Lakers nuggets last night. Some NBA rumors that are interesting, kind of percolating. You never know what they are. The coaching carousel is obviously fascinating. Uh, to see what's coming up here on today's edition of Locked On NB or Locked On Jazz uh, for you, um, we'll take a look at that next. 
So two little interesting questions that are floating out there. Uh, Steve Bullpet of the Heavy wrote uh, with some news on these. One is the question of like, where are the Clippers? Um, and like, where is the Clippers culture? Where's the Clippers situation? There's just been so much noise around them, but nothing's been really clear. Like there's been all this story that Tyron Lue might be ready to go. Um, Howard Beck had that unlocked on NBA the other day. Uh, you have this kind of question about the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard not playing as much. Their roster's super loaded with players. You have to decide which you think is good and which, and and they're pretty limited because of that on what their natural movements are of who they can go uh, fiddle around, you know, what they can do to kind of alter their roster. So they've got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both this year at 45 million. Both of them are on player options for 48 next year. Um, they have Norman Powell who's got three more years left at 18, 19 and 20. He's a player I super like. He's 30 years old. I'm not sure that matches our timeline of what we're trying to do. Um, it's almost as though this Clipper team takes one more run at it, right? They have, What's interesting, if you look at 24-25, so a year from now, the only players, they have a bunch of their players are extension eligible right now. So Kawhi's extension eligible, Paul George. The only players they have on the books for 24-25 are they have Norman Powell at 19.2 million, Zubak at 11.7, Terrence Mann at 11.4, and that's and that's it, Like and maybe Amir Coffey. Like, that's it. That, to me, gets super interesting. They could clear the decks for 24-25, and they could suddenly open the whole kit and caboodle back up. Or if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard pick up their player options, then in 25-26, their whole, their whole deck is open. I'll be honest. This is always when Donovan Mitchell played for us. This is always where I was worried about. The Donovan Mitchell at the end of 24-25 suddenly had his player option. He doesn't pick it up. He becomes a free agent, and he goes to the Clippers in 25-26. That's always that was always the kind of concern that I had when that that's what lined up that then they that they then Steve Ballmer uses his money signs a bunch of guys and rebuilds this thing um, in the twenty five twenty six season uh, and so this will get really interesting of whether or not they extend I I can't imagine that they're you know like what happens when suddenly Paul George at thirty three and Kawhi Leonard at thirty two are extension eligible and the Clippers say no which seems like a very reasonable thing for the Clippers to do. And then the two of them have player options that they either can or can't pick up in 24-25. And then they are just loaded with cap space in 24-25-25-26 to start making deals. Which I think gets really interesting. Like, you know, there's a bunch of players that become available at this point. Um, and then, the, namely, you know, as I mentioned, Donovan was one of them I was always watching. I've always thought that that was the, the likely one um there to see how that plays out but like brandon ingram becomes an unrestricted free agent in 25 26 you wonder if he'd want to go back to la and they they rebuild that so there's just a bunch of really interesting possibilities there with the clippers and and to see what they do um next i think is is an interesting the other one is just like where the what are the raptors doing the raptors and the clippers are kind of the two teams i think have everybody kind of guessing um fred van vliet's a free agent there's not sound like a lot of talk about fred van vliet going back to toronto right now um, they don't have a head coach. Um, theirs is interesting too because at the end of this year, the only player they, the only salaries they have on the book for 24-25 are OG Ananobi who's on a player option, so they might not. Chris Boucher at 10 million. Scotty Barnes is a rookie at 10 million. That's it. 
Like their 24-25 book is wide open. Pascal Siakam is a free agent at the end of this next season. Fred Van Vliet has the $22 million player option he could exercise. Now Gary Trent has an $18 million player option he could exercise. It's not clear where Toronto goes with this. Um, but they everyone comes off their books as well. And then I guess the next question on Toronto is whether or not they're really a free agent destination or not um, is the other question. All right, great game last night between the Lakers and the, you know, and obviously the question on all these is can the Jazz profit off of this in some way? Um, I mean, OG and Anobi super interesting. He's on the last part of his four-year $72 million deal and then becomes an unrest- as a player option becomes an unrestricted free agent you better be able, and he's extension eligible so you probably have to make sure you can do the extension he's interested in the extension if you're making a deal for him and he would be super costly but he's he'd be a pretty interesting piece to add um not quite ready to be a number one option doesn't have the offensive wiggle as of right now to get that done but he would be a pretty interesting piece um last night's game trying to figure out what we have happened in game one between the lakers and the nuggets to move forward. The, the first thing is just the shooting was ridiculous. So the Denver got much better shots than the Lakers. When we talk about quantified shot quality from second spectrum, the they're almost three percentage points better than the Lakers. That's a really big deal. Uh, that's Jokic. But both teams shots lights out. In fact, the Lakers shot 12% above their average and 12.4 and the Denver shot 11.5. Both teams are shot ridiculously well in that game, um, which, will, which will go away as the series continues. Um, and so it's hard for me to really take a lot of trying to figure out what's going on in this game. Um, the transition was what was talked about a huge amount in all the media and stuff, but the Lakers inability, and that is true. 25 transition opportunities for Denver is an insane amount of transition opportunities. Um, and as that stymies a little bit, but what's interesting is they actually weren't great on that. The half court offense that, Denver had when they got into a half court was just unstoppable for most of the night until the very end when they put Rui Hashimura on Jokic and had Anthony Davis hovering. It had some success, but like overall numbers on the night, when you look at half court offense and in that game, again, this gets back to both teams just shooting lights out. Um, The half court offense last night, Denver was a 1.28 points per half court, 1.29 points per half court, almost 1.3. I mean, crazy. The Lakers were not a good half court team was a 1.15. I'm not really clear what I think on this. I actually am a little concerned that Denver couldn't stop the Lakers who are not a very, not a great offensive team. Um, But again, the transition Denver in transition a ton, but they weren't particularly good at 0.94 points per possession in transition. They just got a lot of it, um, which makes it kind of, kind of a super interesting um, look there. The Lakers uh, very successful on their on their post ups. I think we'll see more of that than we did in the series. But um, Denver was just kind of successful on everything. Their pick and roll was nearly one point five points per possession. Their handoffs were one point three. They really throttled them um, in every regard. The pick and roll between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic was at one point five. Like it'll be curious to see whether those things slow down. I mean, there was some ridiculous shot making again on both teams. So it's hard to say. The one thing that was also interesting is if you look at where the shots went in the first half of the game, when the Nuggets score 70 points, they get 19 shots at the rim. They don't actually convert a great deal of them. They get 19 shots at the rim in the first half. They only ended up with six shots at the rim in the second half. Same thing for the Lakers, though. The Lakers only had six shots at the rim. They went seven of seven on paint, non-restricted area in the second half, did the Lakers, and they went six of 11 on long twos. They went 
18 of or 13 of 19 on non-restricted area twos in the second half. There's just no way that's sustainable. Um, and then for the Lakers. So e- both sides just had ridiculous shot making in this game, which makes it really kind of hard for me to equate what I think we learned or what might happen next. Um, probably another feeling out game, um, but certainly not. I did feel like watching it that the Lakers had some answers late in that game that should make them feel good, but the I didn't realize how just ridiculously good their shot making was uh, as well. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Have a great day. 9, 16, and 28. We know the names. We know the options. It'll be a lot of fun to look at it. Again, Leaf Tulin, who's our Locked on NBA big board draft expert, uh, is at the Combine with Richard Stamen and Rafael Barlow. So go grab Locked on NBA big board next and listen to that. And then Leaf will be hosting the show starting on Monday next week. Have a great one. Thanks very much.